0: That's the city where they spend two times. Say now I'm from the city in the Midwest, brother. My state, my state. Say now I'm from the city in the Midwest, brother. My state. That's Ohio's. I'm from the city in the Midwest, of my state, that's Ohio, yeah. I'm from the city where they said two times, dope white boy, tell them I don't do lines, so I snuck up in the back though, really flat hat low, kick back, latch flow, give them what they ask for. They don't know who I am, I think it's okay, just clap for the no name, ole, ole, shots to Patrol no way, Jose, Cincinnati boy, a bottle of Pete Rose.
1: hands and fires, he's got Chris Moore down the middle of the field, he's off to the races again, they are not going to catch Chris Moore, who is going to go 78 yards for another Cincinnati touchdown. Kilpatrick drives all the way to the basket, lefty shot, good, 4.3 seconds left in overtime. He takes the shotgun, snap, short drop, looking, fires down the middle of the field, caught by Kelsey, he's running away to the 30. The 20, the 10, it's a miracle! A touchdown for the Bearcats! Cumberland, swerving into the lane, great spin move, right hand left is good! Spin cycle, adds fabric softener later. And Gary Clark throws it back out to Troy Copain. Run 308 left, Evans for three, got it from the left wing! What was that a big one? Tony Pike waits for the snap, has the football, short drop, lobs it down the sideline for Bins, he's got Welcome to episode 12 of the Go Beer Cats Podcast. I'm your host Brandon, and today I welcome in Roddy Nabulsi of UGA Sports.com to talk about what we can expect to see from the Bulldogs in the Peach Bowl this Friday. Before we jump into that, the beer of the podcast is Great Lakes Christmas Ale. It has all the Christmas spices, it's a very nice balance, and if you didn't get any before Christmas, odds are it's all gone. I'll be sipping this throughout the podcast and as I talk to Roddy about everything that is the Georgia Bulldogs. After being shunned in the college football playoff, the number eight Bearcats were selected uh, for the Peach Bowl to take on the number nine Georgia Bulldogs. I know I didn't know a ton about the Bulldogs as I haven't watched any of their games this season. Uh, So I brought in uh, this 20 year vet to give us the scoop, uh, Riding the bullseye covers the Bulldogs for UGA sports.com, which is the rival site for uh, Georgia and is also part of the UGA Sports Live podcast. Let's bring them in now and, and see what the Bulldogs is going to bring to the table this Friday at noon at the Peach Bowl. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We'll welcome in my next guest here, uh, covering everything that is Georgia Bulldogs and giving us the insight on what to look out for uh, for this Peach Bowl. I have Roddy Nabulsi. How's it going, sir? Good. Let me on. I, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, sitting here in a chilly Cincinnati. How's everything uh, in Georgia?
0: Everything's glorious in the South as it normally is. Um, got a lot of your uh, snowbirds down here hanging out with us, so we appreciate that.
1: Uh, I'm sure that we sure that you do. Uh, so uh, I kind of randomly found your podcast. Uh, you know the uh, the UGA Sports Live uh, while I was looking for you know some Peach Bowl coverage, uh, people talking about uh, Georgia and Cincinnati. And what turned me on to yours uh, right away is that you were uh, on the episode I was listening to was was broadcasting from a brewery down there around Athens, uh, which we're all about here on this podcast. Uh, so is that something you guys do uh, normally or is that, was that just a one-time thing I, I, I lucked into?
0: A brewing company, uh, they're a bunch of University of Georgia graduates created that. And we uh, rotate amongst their sponsors, and they happen to be one of our first sponsors for the podcast, so uh, during the uh, Christmas break, we decided we'd have a couple shows there because they introduced so many nice uh, beers over the uh, holiday break, you know, a lot of new beers that uh, I just really wanted to try them all, so I said, hey, let's do the show from there, and uh, we had a great time testing Pilsners uh, and uh, bitters and sours and whites uh, and just... They have a new beer every week, so uh, if anybody's in the, the uh, market, if you come down south and you want to have a uh, great place to go, reach out to Academia Brewing Company. That's uh, that's how you. Uh, if you're going to have a sponsor, you might as well have somebody that creates new beer each week. Can't get any better than that.
1: Absolutely, I'll throw I'll throw up some of their information on the show notes here. So if you want to look into to more from uh, from the brewery, you certainly can do that. Uh, so you know, the, go beer cats. You know, we we talk a lot about. Uh, The brewery scene here in Cincinnati, so I I really like that you guys were talking about that and uh, broadcasting, you know, from there on the episode that I listened to. Uh, But, you know, let's let's get in here for the reason that that we're all here what we're all listening to and anticipating the uh, the 2021, I guess that's that's kind of weird to say Uh, the 2021 Peach Bowl. We got the Georgia Bulldogs ranked number nine and the Cincinnati Bearcats ranked number eight. Uh, you know, for, for those of us who are, are not too familiar with the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs and what they bring to the table, can you can you give us some highlights to, to what to look out for either on the offensive or defensive side of the ball? Uh, you know, coming up uh, this New Year's Day.
0: Well, in the trenches, you have. Uh, last season they had two tackles taken in the first round of the NFL draft on the offensive line. Both were juniors, uh, so they had to rebuild the offensive line. Uh, they also had uh, Solomon McKinley. He was a junior. He was a guard. He left and had started every game for the Miami Dolphins. So they had three guys go in the first couple rounds of the NFL draft, and they had to rebuild that line, but they just plugged in a bunch of other five-stars and four-stars, uh, and those guys have gotten better and better each week. Uh, a decent wide receiver core led by one of the top wide receivers in the nation, George Pickens. So he'll be a playmaker. He, I think, had 12 catches in last year's bowl game. So if they decide to – if if you don't bracket George Pickens, he'll have a lot of catches on uh, Friday. Uh, They don't throw to the tight ends a whole lot. The tight ends block a lot. But, yeah, I think they might do a little bit more of that this coming uh, game just to – I don't know. I think they might be trying to show a re-Gilbert of LSU in case he decides to go into the transfer portal that – Yes, they do throw to the tight ends, and um, that's uh, uh, an area of contention with Georgia and LSU because they can't Georgia can't talk to LSU. I mean, uh, can't talk to Arik Gilbert yet, but uh, they're keeping the door open in case he decides to transfer. Okay. Uh, defensively, defensively, you have a, uh, some absolute mammoths on the defensive line. You got uh, big Jordan Davis, six foot six, 350 pounds. Uh, the guys next to him aren't much smaller. They all move like big dancing bears. So you just have these huge offensive and of defensive lines. Uh, good secondary. A couple uh, guys who yeah, are cornerback positions who will play in the NFL. Eric Stokes has already opted out to go play in the NFL. So uh, he won't be in the game. But, you know, they've got uh, Tariq Stevenson, who I definitely expect to see play on Sunday. So they, they're just talented across the board. Um, the issue is They also had to play Florida and Alabama, and both of those teams were red hot. When they played Alabama, they were leading at the half and uh, 24 20. In the second half, they had three interceptions, a couple of them on batted balls, and that didn't help. And against Florida, they had their quarterback, Georgia had his quarterback knocked out after the second drive, and they just could not uh, uh, complete a pass against Florida. So they lost those two games, but everybody else they've played, they've dropped them pretty bad so this is a strong team it's just not a playoff caliber team so um, you can't have two losses like that Uh, be it bad luck with tip balls or injured players uh, if you're going to make it to the sec you really have to have uh, good recruiting and a lot of luck that's what it really boils down to
1: well, I feel as though Georgia's, like, I mean, for the past couple of years, they've either been there or they're, like, right on the cusp of, of being a playoff team. Uh, wh- wh- I mean, you, you kind of already uh, hinted on, you know, the, the losses to, to Alabama and Georgia. What is What has been the difference between, you know, the, this year's Georgia Bulldogs and, and those of the past that, that maybe, you know, that either made it to the playoffs or, or got over that hump?
0: last year. Eight uh, players on Georgia's offense from last year are in the NFL. So you have uh, seven starters, one backup. They're all in the NFL in some uh, uh, way, shape, or form. They're either you know starters, uh, backups, or on the practice squad. And a lot of them are starting. So when you have to replace eight guys off of your offense, that's going to slow your offense down. Plus, you had a new offensive coordinator, no spring camp. Uh, it, a lot of stuff changed there, and that kind of load them down, especially when you're facing two offensive powerhouses like Alabama and Florida. You, Georgia just could not go score for score. Plus, they uh, Jake Fromm left to go to the NFL. They had to get a uh, quarterback in. They brought in Jamie Newman of uh, Wake Forest, and he takes all the snaps and does all the drills with the team. And then two weeks before, he decided to stop out. So Georgia, two weeks before his first game, had to basically go back to the drawing board when it comes to quarterback. And they went to uh, a former walk-on. You know, they brought in uh, Stetson Bennett. You know, five foot ten, uh, heart, big heart, but not quite a uh, tall guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he won them games. He beat Tennessee. He beat a ranked Auburn team. Beat beat a ranked Tennessee team and uh, saved Georgia's bacon against Arkansas. He was doing really well until the second half of that Alabama game. So, when it comes to what is why are they not where they were? Why is Georgia not where they've been in the past? A lot of it is just rebuilding and uh, uh, ill luck when it comes to replacing the quarterback.
1: So, if so, I, you know, looking at the numbers here for 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 Georgia, they look to be uh, you know a decently balanced team when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. You know, averaging just over two hundred thirty-two passing yards. Uh, and almost 190 rushing. So, I mean, is that something that that we can expect, uh, you know, come the Peach Bowl, a balanced attack, or has one of those sort of taken over their style of play as of late?
0: They were not early on, and that was one of Georgia's problems. Uh, Because, again, they were trying to replace the quarterback situation, and everybody knew that Georgia could run the ball. Georgia has three five-star tailbacks, you know, and a couple four-star guys back there. It's uh, has that moniker running back you, and everybody wants to fight over it. I, I really don't uh, can get into which who is the actual tailback you. I think it's a good marketing standpoint, but doesn't really uh, th- it doesn't put points on the board for you automatically. But Georgia's, you know, when you have Zamir White, a five star back there, and James Cook, another five star, and then Kendall Milton, another five star, and they've got the, uh, their fourth and fifth back. They're just as good, so they can run the ball behind those big offensive linemen and those blocking tight ends really well. What other teams have done to Georgia, though, is to load the box. You can't run against seven. You can't run against eight. You can't run against nine. And so Georgia needs to throw it. Well, they didn't have a quarterback who who could really complete a pass when it was necessary, and things went to pot. Then when JT Daniels got healthy, remember this was the quarterback. He was ranked number four in the nation behind uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields, he was the number three quarterback in the nation at the time, uh, fourth overall player. He got healthy towards the latter half of the season. And when he came in and got his first start against Pacific State, he threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. And that's what Georgia had been missing. The last few games, they've been going to the air, throwing to George Pickens and the other wide receivers. And they put it now they put now they're balanced. But for the longest time, Georgia was, of uh, uh, this season, Georgia was pretty much a run-only team, and if they're one-dimensional, you can stop them. So now they are much more balanced, and Cincinnati fans can definitely expect to see a much more balanced attack when they uh, face Georgia this Friday.
1: Okay. Okay. So let, let me ask, so we talked about the, the offensive here and you you hinted at the, you know, the, the big uh, dancing bears, the big monsters up front, either on, on the offensive or defensive side on the defensive side of the ball. Is it the defensive line that, that, that runs the show or what What are the strengths for the bulldogs on the d- defensive side of the ball?
0: Because what they do with those big defensive uh, front guys, they usually run three of them and one, uh you know, outside linebacker, you know, Jack that guy, I, I, one pass rush specialist. But you'll have three kind of down linemen, you know, guys who are going to take on double teams and take up gaps. A lot of them will have that two gap of responsibility. Uh, Jordan Davis, you know, a guy who we are not sure if he's going to declare early for the NFL after this game. He definitely could. Uh, he's been talked about as being kind of a high rated pick. But there are hints that he may be coming back for a senior year. Uh, that's a guy who play that nose spot, you know that zero technique, that two eye, and he's just gonna take up two people. And that basically keeps all those guards from climbing, you know, getting the center from climbing, and getting the Georges linebackers. Those linebackers are free and clear to rack up tackles, and they usually get twelve to fourteen apiece, you know in the in the uh, on Georgia's defense. So they have quick, sometimes undersized linebackers who are just running uh, free and unencumbered, and that's how George's defense works. I mean, last year it was the number one defense in the country, simply based on you go by scoring defense and uh, yards allowed. Uh, they didn't lose too many players off that squad. You know, Tate Crowder, he got drafted. He's in the NFL making big plays, but uh, uh, they didn't lose too many guys. Uh, and how against Florida, though, Jordan Davis was out. Richard LeCount, the uh, team leader, uh, safety, he was out. Richard LeCount may be back for this game, that would be a huge get for them. Because if you think about kind of going right up the center, if you have uh, just like a good baseball team, you want to be strong right up the middle. And when you have Jordan Davis, Roquan Smith, I mean, that's going to be a Kobe Dean playing middle linebacker, and then Richard LeCount behind him, straight up the center of your defense, uh, Georgia would be very strong. When they went against Florida, they were missing two or three of those guys. So it was a uh, um, it looks like Georgia should be a lot healthier for this game coming up Friday.
1: Well, so you know, you're speaking of health, and this is the year of COVID, where everything is sort of, uh, you know, by the minute uh, updates. <laughs> and, and I know Georgia, they they were, you guys were supposed to play Vanderbilt, or I believe maybe the last week of the of the regular season, and that and that game got called. You know, UC we were supposed to play Temple, and then Tulsa. Uh, you know those two regular seasons got called after you know we took a trip to uh, to Florida and came back with some COVID problems. Uh, so I'd use foresee uh, any problems uh, on the Georgia side of things uh, in that regard. I know the the AP uh, put out a uh, article just about an hour ago, you know, talking about uh, you know Georgia's coach uh, Kirby Smart kind of concerned with some some COVID protocols. Uh, have you heard anything on your end uh, in that regard?
0: News last week that Georgia was having a mild spike in cases. They had been, Georgia had not had hardly any worth noting. I mean, we, I couldn't point to a game where a starter was out or a, a key backup was out based on a COVID protocol uh, throughout the entire season when uh, some games were rescheduled, Vanderbilt twice, it was because of the issues Vanderbilt had. You mm-hmm. know, because um, it was issues with the other teams, you know. Georgia uh, the SEC was working to get Tennessee and Missouri into different games and that caused Georgia's game to be moved around so there were a lot of uh, changes but none of them and I won't say that it was anybody's fault but none of them were to accommodate cases at UGA so what we reported a couple uh, maybe last week was that now all of a sudden Georgia's got a few cases not a ton but there were some that we heard about and some that were contact traced those guys from last week should be fine to play this week but georgia has three tests this week because that's a standard sec procedure just like it is a lot of other conferences
1: Mm -hmm. their
0: first one was on saturday they'll have one tomorrow i believe and they've won right before the game so the way it stands now i don't think that you're going to have a situation where the game needs to be postponed or Georgia's going to have a bunch of guys out because really they had a bunch of guys that had it over the summer so i just don't know that they have a lot of guys who can get it again, but um, I think we may be able to find out some news in the coming days that this starter or that backup is out mainly due to either a fail test or contact trace. but I don't think it's going to be so many. It's just a lot of people. And that's not to take a shot at the AP um, because we reported the news uh, a while back, but when you had very few cases and then you have one or two, that's a high percentage increase. Sure. So so they're like, oh, wow, yeah, Kirby's concerned and he is because the stuff changes. And, you know, as you've seen this year, a couple cases through contact tracing can be an entire position group real quickly. So that's why they're a little – that's why Kirby's concerned. And especially, you know, with Thanksgiving and Christmas back-to-back, you know, guys going home, it's easy for them to come back and all of a sudden, you know, get popped on a positive test and be out. So – He's he's very nervous about it right now. He has said repeatedly that these three uh, opponents this week are Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and COVID. <laughs> you
1: know, it, it's that's funny that that uh, you you quoted him because because I thought that that was I, I read that as well and I thought that was pretty spot on because it seems like every uh, program was fighting at least or or you know preparing for at least two opponents every week whoever they were playing in COVID. Uh, and the only other news, you know, that I've seen coming out of Georgia or UGA was, uh, you know, a handful of players opting out of the bowl game to prepare for the NFL, which you you know can expect when, when you have a, you know a roster of four and five star guys. Uh, do you see that making any sort of an impact uh, on the game? And and how many guys have, have you uh, you know officially heard they're opting out?
0: Well, we've broken news about uh, about seven guys that are going to be out uh, that opted out. A couple of them opted back in, which I thought was interesting. Richard McCount, you know, who was injured in a motorcycle accident. uh, He was going to go ahead and uh, uh, get ready for the NFL. And he decided he wants to play this last game because no one knew that the Kentucky game was his last game as a Georgia Bulldog. And then he was on a motorcycle and uh, got hit by two cars. And uh, I don't think he was lucky to be alive, much less come back and play football. But he's back in practice now. And I think that's a big deal. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, who has a chance to go, you know, be a uh, top 30 pick. Uh, we were told he has opted out. But after a conversation with Kirby Smart, from what we understand, he has now opted back in, and he will at least play through the uh, uh, Peach Bowl. Um, I think he'll go pro after that, but uh, he, he's coming back. And, you know, it helps because I think some of these guys that have decided to opt back in may have already po- tested positive once, so they shouldn't test positive again. And that's, uh, it helps keep uh, – he you know, keeps the wheels running if you will those position groups but uh, ben cleveland the big right guard stepping go uh, ahead going ahead and getting ready for the nfl is a big deal because now you got to fill in for him losing eric stokes a all sec uh cornerback uh, going up against the fantastic wide receivers that cincinnati has that's that's an issue for georgia um losing money rice the inside linebacker like i said those are the guys that eat in this Georgia defense. Those are the guys who get those 12, 14 tackle games. Uh, having Monty Rice out is big, but he's been injured a lot this year with a foot uh, uh, issue. So Georgia is kind of, I don't say used to him not being there, but they know what to do with Monty Rice out. So Georgia does have some guys that they're going to have to replace. Um, and Trey McKitty, the uh, graduate transfer tight end for Florida State, he'll be out, but I, that's not as big a deal as losing the uh, starting right guard and starting inside linebacker and starting cornerback. So uh, Georgia will have to replace those guys and we'll see what they can do.
1: All right. All right. That's all good stuff. Good, good insight there. We certainly appreciate that. So, uh, you know, on, on Friday, uh, you know, the kickoffs at noon, you know, uh, if it's, if it's Friday nights on new year's day and, and the Georgia Bulldogs are celebrating what happened in the game, uh, you know to cause to, you know, to cause the, the victory or to cause the celebration.
0: Well, both lines of scrimmage, they, the the big hogs up front uh, forced the forced the run. You know they opened up uh, running lanes for uh, Georgia's five star tailbacks, which caused uh, Luke Fickle, who's a fantastic coach, to say, "Hey, we got to bring some more guys inside, to stop the run," and that gave Georgia one on one matchups on the edges for George Pickens against the uh, Cincinnati corners. George Pickens went and did George Pickens' thing. He's, uh, I don't like to use the term uncoverable, but you can't play him one-on-one. I haven't seen anybody go one-on-one with him and come out ahead. He's, I'm not trying to sound like a fanboy. I've been doing this 27 years, and he's one of the best I've ever seen when it comes to catching passes. And just getting his body in position to catch, it's uh, kind of freakish. Uh, defensively, Georgia will make... Uh, Cincinnati. Well, this is what Kirby tries to do. He learned it from Nick Saban. He'll try to make you one-dimensional. He'll either take away the run or take away the pass and force you to do the one thing you're probably weakest at. And then if he says, "Okay, you can't run it," then they're stopping the run, and you have to win through the air. If they say, "Okay, you're not going to throw it," then you have to win with your ground game. So whatever you're weakest at is what Kirby's going to make you win the game that way. And that's uh, if they're celebrating a win uh, Friday night. That will be what has happened because that's Kirby's demo.
1: All right, so let, let me flip the question on you here. If if it's a, uh, I mean, I, it would probably be. I mean, I, I would definitely say it's an upset if Cincinnati pulls this off to go, to, you know, to finish the season undefeated. What what it, what has happened in the game uh f- for us here in Cincinnati to celebrate?
0: Uh, Luke's team is incredibly well balanced. One of the best offenses, one of the best defenses, one of the best special teams, and if you get, try to make a team one-dimensional, they'll torture you that way sometimes. They say, "Look, okay, you're you're going to give up. Uh, uh, you're keeping your safeties back so that we can't throw the ball. Well, we're going to run it on you, and we're going to move the ball up the field, or we'll take uh, underneath passes and uh, just take them five, seven yards at a time. Keep the ball in our hands. You know, uh, I think Ritter holds the ball for." 38, 45 minutes of the game will be quite successful for Cincinnati. And, you know, get a few turnovers on on defense. Just uh, limit Georgia's ability to control the clock, control the line of scrimmage, beat them on special teams, beat them in uh, uh, overs. you know, limit the number of possessions, and that's how you beat Georgia.
1: All right. So, so, so look, that's that, that I mean, that, that's good stuff. I think, you know, the, the, uh, the Georgia wide receivers and, and the UC corners is going to be a really, uh, intriguing matchup, uh, you know, with, with guys like, uh, on UC side, Ahmad Gardner, number 12, you know, he's over almost 800 snaps and hasn't a, allowed a, a touchdown pass, uh, and has like a, a QB rating of like, 25 percent or something like that uh you know going up against some elite competition that's something that i'm definitely looking forward to in the game
0: yeah i where, you know it's uh how if he, if he can go out on the island with george pickens and shut him down so let's say they go to a draw then you go to second and uh, uh tritary uh levels of you know uh reads and that'll be very interesting because Georgia's quarterback J.T. Daniels. Now he started as a freshman at the USC, and then was out most of the following year. So he hasn't had a whole lot of experience. I should say a whole lot of experience. But since he's come back, he hasn't had to do that a whole lot. He hasn't had to go to those second, third reads. But now all of a sudden, uh, if he can shut down his primary receiver, he's going to have to do some of that. And that, you know, in a game like this, that can force him into a mistake. So it's funny how. One guy, you know, the the fans, myself included, will notice that, hey, he's not going to George Pickens. And, you know, then the uh, there was point to the UC cornerback saying, well, he didn't have any pass deflections. Nothing really happened there. But really, that battle between the two of them could it completely change the outcome of the game, even though neither one of them would have any stats. That's right. The type right. of stuff that, uh, that uh, it's the hidden game within the game that's it, just so fascinating.
1: So, you, you know, you've, you've uh, mentioned here, uh, you know, the, the Georgia Bulldogs who, who are now playing on Sundays and there's plenty of them, uh, you know, with, throughout the NFL. And I know, you know, a lot of uh, Bearcats fans are, are Bengals fans as well. And I got to ask you, is it kind of weird seeing, uh, I mean, I know he's hurt now, he's been hurt for a couple of games, but is it weird seeing an LSU quarterback uh, throw to a Georgia wide receiver in Joe Burrow and A.J. Green?
0: Really is, but it's fun because, you know, AJ is one of my all time favorite guys that I ever covered. You know, uh, one of those great recruiting stories where the guy basically makes his decision as one of the top players in the, uh, recruiting class. No drama, no secret visits, no changes. You know, we'd we'd meet up with him again, say, Hey, who you hearing from? He goes, Nobody. I shut everything down. I told him where I was going. And you're just like, But you're AJ Green. You know, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm a man of my word. Wow. And he was just such a humble guy to be as good as he was, you know, and uh, uh, I'm so used to, well, as you say, you know, being a Bengals fan, it seems like there's a new quarterback going to him every few weeks or every few years. So kind of get kind of gotten used to, you know, new guys throwing to him, but Joe Burroughs always, uh, you know, I covered that game between he and Georgia last year. And (laughs) I'll tell you that kid is amazing. So uh, I hope he continues to have the success that he does. And I hope he continues to get the ball to my boy, AJ. Uh,
1: I hope the Bengals pick up some offensive linemen to protect them next season is what, what we all yep. hope here in Cincinnati. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate you jumping on here with me. I don't want to, I don't want to keep you for too long here. You know, we kind of like to keep the the podcast on the shorter side of things. Uh, but I, I want to, I want to ask you one more question here that, uh, that I was kind of thinking of earlier today, uh, when I was, you know, trying to, uh, do a little bit of homework for the podcast. And it's something that that's, you know, probably on a lot of college football, uh, fans minds in here, you know, within the next, uh, three, four years, uh, there's probably going to be, you know, some uh, some more realignment as it, as far as it comes for conferences, and I mean that's a huge topic here in, in Cincinnati as as you know the Bearcats are, are, are would try to get to a, a power five conference. I felt like we were almost in the Big Twelve uh, before they changed their mind, but but with the SEC, you know, with the reputation that they have. Uh, and you know, as, as good as they've been in football, you know, for the past you know hundred years, what what direction do you see the SEC going uh, in, in the next realignment phase?
0: I don't see them. They've been talking about adding teams, but the way it's set up now, you know, with your divisional opponents and then your uh, cross uh, uh, your uh, Cross the permanent cross-divisional opponents me, Uh, With a couple teams rotating, it's really tough to see everybody so Georgia was supposed to play Texas A&M and go out to actually College Station but they (laughs) they Hadn't played Texas A&M since the the last conference expansion. They were just that was the last team on the rotation and Playing, you know six seven conference games or eight Conference games just wasn't enough. So I don't think I see them expanding the SEC anytime soon, but I would, it would not surprise me to say, look, we got to play more than eight uh, conference games. We need to go to nine, or I thought i would go to 10, but I could see them expanding the conference games just so you can play everybody in your conference. I don't see them expanding the, because uh, every time you expand it, now all of a sudden everyone else takes a 10, 20% cut in uh, revenues because you yeah. have to include the new guys. So I just don't see an expansion, but I see them playing more games. I think this year shown them, you know, a 10-game t- season is not impossible. But I don't think they'll ever want to do that again, you know, 10 conference games, but, you know, eight, nine, maybe. So that's what I can see coming.
1: So no uh, no allusions to, uh, to Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC? I feel as though that was a big rumor for a while.
0: Anybody wanted to do it, if anything – I could see like a situation where they're like, hey, Vanderbilt, uh, we don't know that you really bring anything to the table. Uh, so uh, you've actually got rid of your athletic departments. You know, you're, um, you don't have this. You're now almost run like it's a, all your athletics, almost run like a club sport. So, um, but the problem is, Vanderbilt's one of the founding members. So right. I didn't get rid of a team like that. So I just still see them, uh, even if they could add Texas and Oklahoma, if they were willing to come. I just don't see it happening. I mean, that's yeah, they would bring big markets with them, and you know, have a huge fan base. But it'd be a situation where you don't, you wouldn't get to play them maybe once every eight, nine years. So I just don't. If they were in a different conference, so I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, so you know, uh, you know, we're we're talking you know Georgia Bulldogs here, but you know, I've been a, a, a fan of. Uh, you know Cincinnati and Georgia Tech swapping conferences uh, for a while now. <laughs> it doesn't seem like they're bringing a whole lot to to the ACC. So that's I feel as though you know we should we should set, set up some sort of arrangement to uh, to switch conferences with with Georgia Tech. I don't feel that they've been re- relevant for a while. I'm
0: high school with Jeff Collins, the Georgia Tech head coach, and I'll, I'll put in a good word for him, tell him how great it is the AAC, and he needs to switch conferences.
1: There we go. That's that's good. I'll consider this a done deal. That's great, <laughs> Roddy. You know, I appreciate you jumping on here with me. Uh, you know, any anything else you wanna you wanna shout out or, or you know let the Bearcats fans know about before we hop off here?
0: Read more about the, the UGA side of things. Just go to ugasports.com. Most of our content from the football side is free. The recruiting content is uh, part of the Rivals Network, and that's a uh, uh, you need a preview subscription for that, but you want to read about the uh, press conference Kirby had today, and then uh, Dan Landing is uh, press conference Kirby had the other day, and Dan Landing's press conference today. The Georgia's defensive coordinator, he had some good things to say about uh, Cincinnati. So uh, just go check it out.
1: All right. Well, I appreciate appreciate you, man. Appreciate the information, and best of luck on Friday. I know we'll uh, we'll all be uh, all eyes and ears come come the noon kickoff. See you later. All right. Thank you.